Hey, what's up, guys? Chat yo, yo, yo. Just in. It's been a uh, been a crazy week for sure. Hey, guys, how's it going? April first, two thousand twenty-two. I, I had to get my April, April Fool's joke out. You know, <laughs> Monero added. Yay! <laughs> Sold all my rune for Cardano. <laughs> I am quitting crypto and buying a goat farm. And uh, yeah, Terry, just want to kick it off. You want to wait another minute? Uh, let's see. We've got fifty in here. Um, Maybe a few seconds. Yeah, it's been a been a crazy week. Can you like? It's hard to even think about that. We just launched Luna like seven days ago. It's been less than uh, one week in in hours since Luna has been launched. Yeah, it really is unbelievable. Just like how fast everything is happening now. It's like these spaces are are weekly, which feels like it could come up so fast. Yet every week, it feels like there's like a new world of things that's happened. (laughs) By the way, peeps. I'm going to jump on a Twitter spaces at two o'clock Eastern standard time. That's like two hours from now with uh, the CEO of um, Stargate. And we're going to, I'm going to ask him just a lot of questions about Stargate because I spent some time reading into the white paper and some documentation and some things that don't quite understand about it. And so I'm just going to uh, barrage him with as many questions as I can ask. <laughs> <laughs> it should be a lot of fun though people should show up if you, if you get the time yeah excited to hear that uh highly requested uh there's been so many questions about kind of the comparison between the two so uh i'll definitely be interested in in learning about that yeah that, that's a very interesting protocol I, yeah i can't wait to hear the recording of that space there i won't i don't think i'll be able to hop on but uh that's gonna be super cool stargate and thorchain in one space We'll we'll record as well, so it'll be online later uh, if you if you can't make it. All right, sweet. I think we can get started now. Uh, we could just do a, qu- a quick introduction first. Uh, it's a, it's the first of April, two thousand twenty-two. Uh, Thorchain weekly developer update. This is familiar cow with nine realms. This is Chad Thoreau. Uh, make content for ThorSwap and help with community. Uh, this is Chad Barrowport. I'm one of the uh, core devs uh, on the project. Cool. I mean, so the biggest news, it's been the Luna launch. And basically, since the Luna launch, uh, everything, including TVL, one of the most important metrics on the network, has just been uh, absolutely exploding with these new pools, it's Luna and UST, with uh, liquidity of 45, 40, about 46 million and uh, 36 million of UST, respectively. So... It's an it's a pretty incredible first week for uh for Luna and UST, and that's despite you know issues that have been uh arisen during the, this last week with with liquidity ads and, and swaps even being paused for uh you know a good number of hours there. But those those stats are looking really nice, and uh that that makes Luna and UST two of the largest assets on the network right now. Yeah, it's crazy. If you just look at like the volume charts, the liquidity charts, I mean, it's literally a hockey stick right now. So it's so cool to see it playing out. And of course, we all kind of expected Terra to be such a big part of that. And um, I think it's meeting the expectations exactly. Yeah, like you said, between the two, it's about $80 million of liquidity uh, just in UST and Luna pools, which are, yeah, like uh, Luna is number four. Number four and number five, Luna and UST have all pools on ThorChain uh, in a week. So, and and yeah, just seeing uh, volumes through the roof. Uh, of course, all that new TVL, um, all of that playing in on the bond side, and just the overall growth of the network is uh, exciting times for sure. Yeah, like every almost every um, metric uh, is up. Like from 
the room price for the swap volume from the LP earning the bond earning. Uh, I mean, it, like everything is basically up, which is a pretty, uh, you know, bullish signal if you ask me. Um, well, one thing, Chad, it, would you be able to talk a little bit about the, uh, uh, like, say, like some of the downtime that was experienced this week and just like what that means for for throw chain going forward and just in terms of like you know chains being paused like lp ads and uh and withdrawals being paused sometimes uh could you just talk a little bit about uh what that means for the network and what the user should expect sure yeah so that that happened this past week because uh there was a, a bug in the code where it had a problem with like rounding um and so some assets are like you know like a 1e6 instead of 1e8 and so there was some like edge case scenario where you could trigger a improper rounding of a of a um, uh, a bond transaction, which uh, would cause that node account that 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 Yigasil or whatever that sent out those funds uh, to get slashed inappropriately, even though they sent out the correct amount, like everything is actually fine. But the network kind of sees it as the incorrect amount because of this rounding error, and then like slashes the node account inappropriately. And so, uh, in order to make sure that node accounts uh, don't get slashed, you know, more, we had to temporarily, uh, you know, pause on outbound transactions for um, the one e six chains, which includes USDC on um, Ethereum as well as like Terra system is like is built on that uh, number of different places. And so once the bug was fixed, go ahead and restart everything and, and keep going. I think this is just part of like this, the, the growing pains of just when you're expanding the network and adding new features and new functionality. In general, you're, you're probably going to see some bugs in the very beginning of a new you know chain or, or, or uh, a new feature, uh, especially in this case, because it was, Terra was really like the first Cosmos chain that we uh, added to the network. And so when we go ahead and add some other Cosmos chain, it shouldn't be as bad because um, you know, it's really just copy and pasting the code we already have, which has already been, you know, tested, vetted, running on the network for, you know, months or whatever it is. Um, but I would say in general, though, is that like that uh, pausing trading or pausing chains is probably going to be a thing that we see from time to time in the network for for, for years and years, like probably forever. Just because bugs can be, you know, existing at any point in time. Look at like Compound. They have, you know, they inserted a new bug and lost $130 million just because they made a code change and had some sort of bug in it. But even beyond that, they still have the situation of like, oh, the Ethereum, you know, network is like, you know, is kind of very contentious right now where they, they, had, a, they had a bug a while back, for example, that like there was some sort of exploit in GEF. And so the, the chain got split. And so then it became kind of a confusing thing of like which you know which chain is the correct chain whatever and so we had to pause Ethereum for that time being until that kind of that dust was settled and so there'll be times in the future when certain chains or certain you know things are paused just because of something happening within their ecosystem right so I, I do think we'll see less and less of this over time as the network kind of matures and we've already been seeing that for the last you know years since we've been running this thing we've seen more of those things in the beginning less so today and as we kind of introduce new features or new functionality we might you know see that in the, in, in the earlier days of a new feature or a new chain but in general you should see we kind of driving towards less and less but we're always going to be susceptible to that stuff and or always required to some degree if there is some sort of event happening on some other ecosystem that's affecting this system in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. We also have Pluto up here uh, from Nine Realms, the developer who put together the Luna integration. So I don't know if you want to say something about Luna or 
Uh, what's up, Leo? Hey, guys. What's going on? Yeah. Um, great, great synopsis, Chad. I just wanted to kind of um, reinforce what he said. You know, Thorchain is a it's a different type of beast. It requires connectivity to every chain at a native level. So, if you're like trading on a centralized exchange, for example, that exchange could be you know, I mean, sorry, that network could be totally up in flames. Like Ethereum could be like split and, you know, Binance will still keep happily trading ETH because their concept of ETH is really just some number in some database somewhere. You know, they have deposits, so those funds will always be deposited there. But like when you trade ETH on Binance, you're not actually receiving ETH. You're just receiving some IOU to receive ETH at a later date. So they don't actually need to be like maintaining connectivity 24 seven to facilitate Ethereum trades. Maybe some would see that as, you know, um, a, a positive thing, but I, I think it's one of the key features of Thorchain is that the fact that you are trading native L1s means we always need that uptime with the network. So if there are issues, um, if in the future, you know, Terra does, does decide to hard fork um, and, you know, it, it results in downtime, like, that will translate to downtime on Thorchain's pools because again, it's the it's the real thing. Um, so yeah, unless you're trading synths, um, which which is of course completely self-contained on Thorchain, um, then you know then you can continue to do that um, even if even if like there's there's some sort of interruption that require like prevents us from you know doing doing withdrawals to the L1 for the time being, but. It's just, it's just one, it's an important, you know, distinction on how like Thorchain is built different and there will be examples of times when things are just out of our control. Um, but as Chad was saying in the, in this particular case, it was just a, a matter of smoothing out the, the kinks. So yeah, we should expect to see halts as a result of, um, of like bugs being found and, and, and fixed. Um, but we should also re- expect to see them as a result of just like regular network instability on all the different networks we integrate with. And uh, part of that as well is the the network being so decent. It's not just it's not just Binance where they can just pause the chains or if there's a problem, uh, they can pause the chains and they can uh, fix their issue and they can push the fix out in in an hour. Uh, you know, there, there's a 101 node operators that that run the you know, Thorchain uh, code set, right? And it takes, they're all around the world. It takes a long time for them to actually update, uh, you know, with, with little to no notice that a change is being pushed. So, uh, you know, it, it's not just a flip of the switch that everything can be fixed because every single, uh, you know, node operator needs to be alert and making uh, m- making changes to, uh, their own nodes update the code for the network. So, uh, like when, when these changes do happen, they take longer than you might than you'd experience at like a centralized entity, which is to be expected. Yeah, that that silly little thing called consensus <laughs> that needs to be reached before we can do anything and change anything about the network is kind of yeah, required. That's a great. That's a, yeah. That's a really great point, Cal. Like, this is a great litmus test for like, is the network that you're using truly decentralized? If the answer is they can roll out a patch in an hour, then the answer is no. <laughs> like, like there's like if you were to find like an exploit for a wormhole, for example, and wormhole could just like patch that by like updating, you know, the five servers that are like running their multi-sig that you know controls the smart contract on the source chain. Like the answer is no, it's not decentralized. Um, so yeah, I think that like how 
quickly you can respond and adapt. Like Thorchain and Thorsec and Nine Realms are like a 24-7 operation. Like we will be the first to jump on and address an issue. And like we usually diagnose the diagnose the root cause within like 15, 20 minutes of of jumping into a war room during certain incidents. But um, you know, once we've identified the patch, like it's largely out of our control when the network could actually be restored. And that's because we require every node operator to vet the changes, to adopt the changes. Um, and, and, you know, all of them need to essentially um, adopt a change in order for it to go through. So, and there, there's actually some, some question as to that right now, um, whether we can start adopting changes um, if we have just like a simple majority or just a two thirds um, but there's more R and D required for that. So like, as far as code changes, we need a hundred percent to adopt. Um, as far as like other things, we just need like a two thirds majority. Um, and that's, those are things like network constants, like enabling new features, um, changing, you know, um, like emission stuff like that, that stuff can be changed by node operators just by a, a two thirds majority. Yeah. That- sorry. Are you speaking, Chad? Oh, sorry. I thought I was unmuted. Uh, so, to, to the Pluto's point there, the, right now, whenever you make a code change, it requires 100% of the nodes to adopt it in order for the change to you know be realized, right? And uh, the network has mechanisms in place so that like if there are holdouts, like simply somebody who re- refuses to update, then there are procedures in place that allow the network to kind of address that. But it's, it is theoretically possible. It's something we, we, we may do at some point, may not, depends upon what the community wants, but uh, where you can wait until, you know, 90% of the nodes adopt this, you know, software change. And then the last 10 and the network kind of upgrades, the last 10% just kind of like basically pause and they, and they pause until they upgrade to the new, new version, you know, 86 or whatever all the number is. Um, and then they continue on. But during that time, they're going to get slashed for not, participating in observations and, and participating in the network. And so that, that requires a conversation. And the, the nice thing about that is that it allows you to, to adopt changes faster, but still having a vast majority of the nodes, uh, like 90% of them agree that this is, this is the change we need to make and not having to wait an extra few hours because, you know, the last node operator is still sleeping and, or whatever um, to, to kind of quicken the pro- process of how fast the network can adopt a change, but still, respecting the the need for consensus. Yeah, I like that idea a lot. Um with the with Terra coming back online, there was like a few hours of minor inconvenience where it was just sitting at ninety seven out of hundred one or so. Um so it sounds like an idea like that would allow it to enable sooner and then let the other nodes um kind of get a slight penalty and, and, and catch up. Uh I like that. Yeah. We we might do it in a way because we don't want to like if if it's like 95% of the nodes update within an hour, right? And that last 5% just like they're just living on the other side of the world and they're just passed out. And we don't want to slash nodes just because they were sleeping. Like the people, just people got to sleep, right? <laughs> That's a thing. Uh, and so maybe what we might do is like one suggestion that's been thrown around is that like we'll set like a minimum number of, of time and I'll just say like, let's just say it's 12 hours or some number. And then after that point, if 90% has been reached, then that's when it flips over. So at least node operators, you know, it won't, they won't get hit like while they're sleeping, you know, as long as they keep their kind of a close eye on the network, which they should anyway, because they're node operators, they should have more than enough time to, to be able to, you know, accept or not accept or whatever. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I would say that like, so in, in summary, although I, you know, I've, I've, although we were disappointed that we had to, um, you know, pause the LP on the, um, on the Terra pools so soon after launch, we just kept, you know, we just kept seeing big slugs added one after the other, like a million USD, a million USD here and there. So like the, the growth was just really exciting to watch. And then it was kind of, you know, we were, we were all kind of bummed that we had to pause the, um, LP actions, um, on both ETH and Terra over the weekend. Um, but ultimately like that just comes from a stance of, of, of cautiousness. It comes from a stance of, um, you know, really, really just ensuring network security above all else. Um, but then coming away from those, um, you know, these types of incidents with insights about how we can continue to improve the reliability and uptime of ThorChain. So, you know, these, these incidents always spark off like, you know, post-mortem incident analysis where the core team will, you know, come back to the drawing table and say like, how could we have improved this? How could we shorten this time? Um, you know, because we want, we want to, we want to ensure that like the uptime of ThorChain, you know, meets that, um, of, uh, of any other tier one exchange. Um, and though that might be very difficult due to the decentralized nature, it's something that we can continually strive toward. Any other, uh, lessons learned from the Luna launch that you guys want to share? Yeah, I think one lesson we learned was, uh, that we should wait to launch a new chain until after the churn has been completed because the network won't actually fund Ugrisils, this new USD asset or Luna net asset while the network is churning. Just because it doesn't want to have too many things moving at once. You don't want to like juggle five things. You want to juggle one thing at a time, basically. Just makes the logic simpler and, and, and less error prone and these kind of things. And so we had launched Luna and UST right when the network started the churn process, which is fine in, in all respects. But none of the eager still had any UST or, or Luna to send transactions. So everything was falling back on Asgard. Calling, uh, causing a little bit of a, a, a kind of a backlog of transactions. It wasn't a big deal in the end, but it just in order to make things a bit smoother on the on the launch, we should probably wait until the churn's completed. Yeah, that's interesting. Cool. Um, yeah, well, great job, uh, all of you, everyone on the team, uh, Nine Realms. Like the level of professionalism and just uh, even you know addressing those concerns and keeping security as number one. Um, we're definitely seeing it from the the from the community, just like how how tight the ship is these days. So props to everyone. Um, it's great to see. Uh, suppose we could move on to a few of the other updates. Um, quite a few uh, like Mimir votes and things that have changed in the past uh, week or, or even some that are very imminent. Um, so first one is the, uh, the synth, uh, util- the synth cap change. Um, would you like to explain that a bit? Hey, uh, Chad, just before we move on from Terra, just one more thing I wanted to point out. Um, the, the liquidity on the UST pool right now is $35 million, um, and the APY is 38%. Um, so some might think that like, whoa, that's super high. Um, but right now, like all of the ARB in, um, in the ThorChain ecosystem is settled in the BUSD pool because the BUSD is the cheapest pool and arbitrage bots want to essentially settle into a stable um, because they, do, they, they like they don't want to end up like you know arbing into like some asset and then that asset moves against them and then they can't take a profit. So they're always going to like end up in a stable pool, and so that's why we see that the BUSD pool literally is doing half of its depth in volume every day. I mean, it's got fifty-one million 
um, in in liquidity and 28 million a day in volume. And so that's why BUSD has that 65% APY. And so as soon as another 15, 20 million gets deposited to the UST pool and UST flips BUSD as being the deepest stable pool, I think we're going to see most of the arbitrage activity move over to whatever that deepest instant finality uh, because again, that's why USDC pool is not like the the, the settlement asset. Um, it's it's BUSD initially because ARBs both want that instant finality and they want that deep pool for getting the best price. So I, this is just a prediction here, but I think once uh, UST flips BUSD in total liquidity, we're going to see the total volume of um, UST match that of what uh, BUSD is now. So about half of the depth um, of the pool in volume per day. And so we could see APYs on UST shoot above 50%. Just a prediction. Um, but I think that we're going to see that happen sometime this week. I think the yeah. APYs are already above 50% just due to the downtime over the past couple of days, correct? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's true because it wasn't trading for, you know, what was that, 24 hours or longer, whatever it was. Um, that's true. Um the other thing is, is like, is like, do ARBs care about what the stable coin is? Like, do they want, do they trust BUSD more than USD or do they trust the USD more than BUSD? And that's an individual ch- choice and perspective of like, what is the more reliable, uh, better pegged asset between the two of those things. And so that's going to come into calculus as well. And some might think it's USD and some might think it's BUSD, depending on if they're afraid of algos or, or not. Right. But along those same lines, once the network adds, uh, it's derived assets and specifically Thor USD, the, the depth of the Thor USD pool will be the sum of all of the anchor pools. So it'd be BUSD plus UST plus uh, USDC, DAI, USDT, all those things. And so that will be by far the, the deepest uh, stablecoin pool. And so it's possible that, that once that is launched, you know, and whenever the hell that's coming out, probably in, in a couple of months, maybe, um, that that US the Thor USD will be the highest you know in terms of like arbitrage the highest utilized uh, stablecoin in which case all of that yield that gets generated from the burning and minting of Thor USD as part of that arbitrage uh, all of that uh, that that, that um, swap fees will be paid into the USD vault which anybody can get access to that USD to get that yield all you got to do is lock up Thor USD so you only have a single asset exposure just Thor USD you can just earn more Thor USD and so we'll, we'll see how that kind of how that plays out it's going to be really fascinating to see for sure short term though looks great for UST yield especially uh, only one week of the UST pool being live and it being the uh, I, is it the second deepest right now I, I, can't, I can't see all of them on one screen but at the second deepest stable coin on on Thorchain, it only needs a you know a couple million more before it's the deepest, and then we can see a huge boost with our opportunities there. It is, yeah, it's number two by a good margin already. I think USDC is like sixteen or seventeen million. Yes, fifteen point six million. So, yeah, USD is at thirty five, and BUSD at fifty one, and in only a week, and some of the time paused. So I would imagine, like Pluto said, yeah. Uh, I, I, it's just a guess, but probably this week we see that happen. Cool. So yeah, so move back. Oh, yeah, you were, you were talking a little bit about uh, some of the new um, Mamir values. Uh, so the first one would be uh, the liquidity, sorry, not liquidity depth, the synthetic asset depth was just raised from 5% to 15%. Yeah, this one is kind of interesting just because the the community decided to do this on their own. That wasn't actually prompted by anybody in particular. 
nobody actually people just started to throw up the, the 15% number and then people just started to kind of like coalesce around that without the requirement of like you know uh, son of Odin or Lena or or whatever to like trigger all that and that's really like a good sign to me I think it's, that's actually I was actually excited to see that and so what that but that, what that fundamentally means in terms of what the change was was, was raising the cap of synthetics allowed uh, to be from 5% of the asset side, asset depth, depth of this, of the pool to be 15. And so right now we're at, um, I think the biggest one right now is 6.3%, which is USDT. So we're no longer, no longer, we're no more close to the cap of 15% for any of the pools at the moment. I didn't see one hit like 11% or 12% yesterday. So it's, got pretty close to the cap but that might be a signal to the community that like we don't need to go any higher than this we'll see what like we'll keep an eye on things and you know but but everybody's is you know able to do everything they want to do in the network right now utilizing since and because of that uh the synth trading volume is around like 60 million dollars right now which is pretty amazing yeah like like if if the arbs are able to get enough enough like synths essentially to to um to like backstop their like arbitrage arbitrage operation and we don't need to mint any more than I think like then that that that's great. Like we don't need to go we don't need thirty three percent um you know since like if fifteen percent will suffice. So I think it's it, it's a really it's a really great example of how like like equilibriums of network constants in the Thorchain ecosystem just kind of find themselves without much um, you know, prodding by the devs. And I think that that's like, that that's super, like, it's a super positive indicator that like the, the network design is, is sound and like it, all the, you know, everything will eventually find like a perfect equilibrium. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, I think it's probably to be determined though, right. If this is that equilibrium, just considering it's only been a couple days since the 5% was changed. So, but yeah, seeing, seeing a few of them creep above 5% already, but it'll be really interesting to see where it settles and kind of just like that dynamic between pool depth and, and synth. And then you can just keep the cap in a safe zone, no matter what. By the way, I think Orion is working on, uh, from the Red Realms team of, of actually determining what are the effects of those synthetics on the LPers of those pools. Like have they, you know, is it, has it increased their yield? Has it decreased their yield? Like, and how much? And so I think he's working on uh, doing some like uh, data science on that on that stuff and trying to figure out like what has been the effects that the LPs have ex- actually experienced since then. My my guess is that it's been very positive, largely just because the room price has been doing very well over the last you know few weeks, or whatever. Um, that obviously, that can go reverse if room price goes down relative to all the other assets, but. Um, but more, more than likely this so far that the LPs have earned more yield just because of this, uh, synthetic, synthetic feature that was launched. Yeah. The volumes are just crushing. Uh, yeah. 60, 60 million in the last 24 hours. That's like over a third of the total volume. Um, so there was one other small update to since, uh, that I was just reading about in the dev discord. Uh, so there was, uh, you can probably explain this much better, but the change to the virtual depth and. Um, how I believe that's going to change the the synth uh, slippage fee. Uh, would you like to go into that? Yeah, sure. So the most idea as part of synthetics was we would create virtual depths of the pools, and so we would uh, it was this, we would do this like two x depth. And so what that means is like is you practically pay like you know half the fees that you would normally pay using synthetics versus using a layer one asset. And that was done that way just to kind of entice people to use synthetics over 
um, over, you know, not using synthetics or whatever, or, or layer ones. But um, it was changed last night because uh, one of the committee members kind of brought forth an idea that because the fees are, are cut in half for synthetics, it is technically possible to sandwich attack uh, a, a trader uh, on, on the network. And that was one of the things about the slip based model that we decided to use like way back when was that it wasn't, um, you could not do slip, um, sandwich attacks like you could on, you know, on uh, Uniswap, for example. And so once we kind of realized that, it was like, well, in the best interest of the security and like kind of the uh, attack vectors of the network, let's go ahead and set it back to, you know, not use a virtual depth, just use the, what the depth actually is. Um, and so what that means is the people that are trading arbitrage, uh, arbitrage bots or the trading, they're going to pay basically twice the fees as they did, you know, yesterday, so to speak. Uh, and that's you know, not great for them. Uh, and it means that they, that, that the, the, um, what is that what word you use for uh, the wedge? What is it called? Um, blanking term. term. No, the, uh, the 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 price. How far a price is from the, the actual price uh, within our order books? Gosh, I'm, I'm blanking on it. Anyways, how close the network spread? The spread, yeah, the spread. How close the network pool price can get to the market price would be affected by this some small a small margin. Uh, it wouldn't be significant by any stretch of imagination, um, but it also means that that all these, you know, since the art bots are paying more in fees now, that also means that you know those fees are going to those LPs. So it has a positive effect in that regard. Yeah, interesting. So basically, like for the synth user, you're still benefiting from the the gas fee reduction and the speed increase, but not necessarily the half slippage fee anymore. But as liquidity grows, then of course that gets better. Um, and then, yeah, like you just said at the end, I like, uh, that's a great way of kind of spinning it is all that, that, that two X slippage fee of what usage is still going to be there is that just is going to pump LPs even more. So it's kind of, uh, it just kind of redistributes, uh, the benefit a bit. Yeah. For me, what I was like thinking about since way back when, like before we even launched multi-chain, one of my concerns was that, that because it was a two X virtual depth for you know arbitra arbitrage bots that are going to be using this to arbitrage the pools, that we might see LP yield go down because of it, right? Uh, the counteractive of that thing of like, well, arbitrage bots are trading once every ten minutes on the Bitcoin block for a uh, Bitcoin pool, for example, because of Bitcoin's block time, and now they're doing every five seconds. And so the the larger quantity of trades that will naturally happen will hopefully counteract the half fees that they're paying on swap fees. Right. And so I was concerned about that. Entirely sure if it would, how it would affect LPs in a positive or a negative way. And obviously that's very positive. And now that we're, now that we've launched it and we can see that that's very positive, setting the synth virtual depth to just be one X instead of two X um, will make it even, even push LP yield even higher, which is going to be interesting. Well, the other change that we saw recently was uh, the vote to 120 max nodes. So right now we're at 101 and the parameter was just changed to uh, 120 validator nodes. So that's the maximum that we can get without sharding to another Asgard vault. So uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on having 120 nodes? And also I think that kind of ties in with the uh, bond weighted rewards that just went live as well. So I think now that both these things are activated. We're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of higher bonds, and also more people collaborating on 
uh, running nodes together with people that they that they know and trust? Yeah, I mean, honestly, at this moment, I would say my own personal opinion is that the, the community is a little bit quick on this decision, to be honest, just because in the current state, we have much less on the pools than bonded. Like we're over bonded already. We don't, we're not really in the need for more bond in this, in this current moment. And so a lot of the yield is being pushed towards the, the, um, the LPs. And so by expanding from hundred to 120, we're going to increase the total amount of bond in the network by some amount, whatever that's going to be. Let's imagine it to be, you know, definitely at least, um, probably 10 million room at, at minimum. Um, and so that's just going to cause a LPs to make. Uh, sorry, bond uh, node operators to make a less money because the bond's going to scale, and we're, and we're not sure to see how what's going to happen over the next six months with the LP side. Like, if people are going to ape in or not, maybe they will, maybe they won't. Like, I I'm not a predictor of the future, and so that also means that like that the yield that because there's more bond in the network, the amount of room you get paid out for every room that you have bonded will probably decrease, right? And in, in addition to the additional room that pushes the pendulum more towards the favor of LPs. So nodes have made this choice to expand to 120 nodes, which is good for decentralization because now there's more nodes being run in the network, which is, that's a great thing. Uh, but it's also, gonna, I think it's going to hurt them in the short term. And, and, uh, and I'm not sure if they understood that or not, but if they didn't, then, you know, it's on them. But um, overall, it's going to be a great thing on the, in the long term, but in the short term, I think node operators are going to get a little bit have a little bit of pain because of it. I would guess like one benefit for node operators is all the ones that are on standby uh, gives gives a chance for them to not just be kind of sitting on the sidelines, but actually actually get in and start earning yield, even if it's even if it's lower um, all around. Of course, is it going yeah. to? Or sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that's true. And so, and that's also going to cause the the bond wars probably are going to drop a little bit just because. Now the network is going to be expanding by two every turn, which means we're going to turn in more people, which means bond wars are kind of not as tight as they were, you know, yesterday, so to speak. And so, but that's a good thing in some sense because uh, we're going to get more people in, right? And more people can run nodes than, you know, because some people can't afford 100,000 room, blah, 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 but they can afford 400,000, right? Them and their friends or whatever. Yeah, that was going to be my question is if we were uh, going right back to plus two every churn. Uh, so it sounds like yes. Yeah, we're going to go back to plus two. Um, yeah. And by the way, like the, the number of nodes, I was actually shocked by this. I didn't think it would be as, as utilized as it, as it is, but that new feature of being able to pool validators together, uh, pool bond together to a single uh, node, that's being used right now by, by like, you know, uh, a fifth of the of the nodes today, which is, I thought that was going to be maybe a, a tenth of a percent or maybe five percent. But no, it's actually being used much more heavily, and uh, you know, a, f- a fifth of all the nodes are pretty much using that, f- that feature. And that's only been out for like a week or two, where it's been out. So fast forward six months, we might see even growing even larger. Hey, you're saying that the that the node operators have to sacrifice some short term rewards, basically, to expand the network now, even though it's not necessarily needed. But maybe that just means that the node operators are very uh, mission driven and want to see. Doorchain more decentralized and uh, really succeed, even if it even if it costs them uh, personally, just from the amount of of yield that they'll be generating, because it's also going to put more yield into the pools too, uh, and uh, make 
ThorChain expand more on that front, which is really where it's needed right now in the liquidity pools. Yeah, watch out LPs because I think you're going to be earning more yield in the coming weeks than you are now, which is going to be interesting. Cool. So, uh, yeah, maybe some of these last couple updates and then we can start taking questions. Uh, I know you have to run probably in 20 minutes or so, Chad. Um, so let's, uh, looked like there was some updates on the Haven front, uh, which is really exciting. Uh, potentially first privacy coin to, to hit Thorchain, I guess we'll to be determined what the order actually ends up being. Um, but yeah, what, what is the update there? And, uh, when might we expect that on, on stage net? Uh, it's a good question. Um, the PR isn't actually opened quite yet. They're still working on it. Um, from what I understand, um, the uh, they have working the ability to add liquidity, withdraw liquidity, and swaps, which is you know ninety percent of the way there, really. In many respects, um, I don't know when the PR is actually going to be open. I like I can have, I have to ask the people, the Haven people over there, uh, which I probably should because I'm going to be going to a, a Haven slash Monero like conference in Miami uh, very soon, like in the next week or so. Uh, so it's probably get an update there, but. Um, it's getting really close and I'm, I'm kind of impressed by the Haven team and the work they've been putting in to, to make this work. So it was definitely very, very hard and very, very tricky to get it, you know, all working properly. So, uh, but it still requires a review from the team, the actual, uh, the devs on the fortune side. So that's still going to take some time for them to review it and make sure it's all good. And then give, you know, feedback that needs to be adjusted, blah, blah, blah. So I don't think it's going to happen within a month or two, maybe three, possibly, um, who knows? It's hard, it's hard to guess. It's just not enough information to, to be accurate about that. Cool. Yeah. Sounds like great progress though. And, uh, just to even be in the testing phase and kind of getting, uh, feedback on what's going on will, will be, uh, such a sign that it's in motion and happening and, uh, heading closer to the, to the finish line on that. Um, tied in with that is, uh, well, I believe it's tied in with that is Thor names. Um, right. So, that did just that. That's also one of like the last requirements for for mainnet, and um, so that was just pushed to StageNet uh, this week, and I believe should go to ChaosNet uh, next week, right? Yeah, it was. Um, so it was already pushed. To be fair, that code's been sitting in in the uh, you know the network for months and months now. It's just a question of whether it's feature flagged on via Mimir or not. And so it was just recently feature flagged uh, on for the StageNet environment. And so that allows anybody to create a Thor name now on that environment. So it just uh, gives the community time to start playing with that feature and, and see if they can fix it. I'm sorry, see if they can break it, uh, see if they can put it under certain stresses and get it to have weird or incorrect behavior. Uh, anybody who finds a, a bug or an issue, um, you know, we'll collect the bounty depending upon the severity of that issue. So people are welcome to start testing it. Uh, uh, internally, the core dev team and, and Nine Realms, uh, I think we'll be going through a process as well to, to kind of validate the feature, make sure it all looks good and safe and all these things. And if we feel, you know, good about it uh, in a week or two um, or whatever it is, uh, we can go ahead and get the community to, you know, uh, encourage the community to, to enable the feature and turn on Thor names. Um, which will be great to see. Cool. Uh, some questions like regarding Thor names, because I mean, the Thor names presale, it feels like, it, I mean, it actually was like 10 months ago at this point. <laughs> it was a long time ago. And it feels uh, like it's been a while since we've talked about Thor names. So uh, do you have some questions that maybe other, other people have been thinking about? Um, like, I, it's been mentioned in some of the past Medium articles about like a uh, Thornames Marketplace, and uh, you know, I think 
people probably have questions about exactly what you can do with your Thor name and whether it will be supported on uh, all the front ends. So do you have any uh, knowledge on that? Uh, yeah, I think uh, to my understanding, ThorSwap has already kind of built the Thor names UI to my knowledge. Um, and they're just waiting for the feature to launch before they kind of launch it themselves. I think they need to do some testing now that it's running on StageNet. They should enable it on StageNet to make sure, you know, just, just some testing themselves of the UI side of things and make sure it all looks and behaves uh, appropriate. Um, for those who don't even know what Thorning, we should have even defined what it was. We didn't do that. But for those who don't know what Thorning, the idea of like having an alias um, or like an, uh, like an email address, but instead of sending email, you can send crypto to a particular chain. So uh, if you want to swap to an address, you can just, instead of referencing your BC1, you know, hash, uh, you can reference just like, you know, chad.bdc or something like this or whatever, uh, which is kind of nice. Uh, we ended up having to add this feature just because of limitations of, of other chains, believe it or not. So, um, for example, you know, Haven uh, is a crypto note ch uh, ch style chain, uh, which means its, its addresses are 99 uh, bytes long, which is super, super long. Um, and for a chain like Bitcoin, it has 80 bytes that has a limitation of how much you can fit in a, in a memo on Bitcoin or in the opera term is 80 bytes. And so you literally can't even swap from Bitcoin to Haven on ThorChain because just the limitations of the Bitcoin network that make it so much so so difficult. Uh, and so, and that's the same thing with affiliate fees too. Because if you're in that swap, you might, you know, I'm swapping from point A to point B, but I also want to give X percent to this other address over there. That's a lot more information to put into that kind of memo to, to the network and understand what your intentions are with this fund that you're sending into the network. So the Thor name idea, which is an ability like an ability of like having kind of like domain, like custom domain addresses, so to speak for addresses across all the chains. Uh, and then you can reference it in a few characters rather than, you know, 99 characters. Right. And so that just made it much more practical and easier. So if you wanted to, you know, do affiliate fees on Bitcoin, you don't need to, worry about running out of space in the memo, you could just, you know, acquire a floor name that's called, you know, SS for Shapeshift, for example, a very short one, and then be able to, you know, get collect your uh, affiliate fees on, on your Bitcoin transactions, so forth and so on. That's the, really the whole reason why it was created or, or just to solve that kind of limitation of other chains and trying to kind of not um, go back on our, our kind of mentality of not requiring to own or hold room to, to transact. Sweet. Is there anything else that um, you guys want to update on before we can bring some people up for questions? If anyone in the audience has questions uh, for the next couple of minutes, you can uh, hit the bottom left button to request to speak and we'll put people up to ask questions about uh, Luna launch, about just really anything that's going on right now in ThorChain. So. Yeah, people can come on up. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, we got a lot of things coming up in the near future. Um, we are talking about uh, IBC potentially. We're talking about um, uh, DEX aggregation. And then after that, I think the biggest feature after that will be uh, derived assets. So Thor BDC, Thor USD, all that kind of stuff, which is going to be pretty interesting. Yeah, so many we, exciting we, things coming. Uh, got Zab up here. Um, I'm sure you're excited about the Haven talk. Uh, how's it going, man? <laughs> good. How's everybody going? Doing good. Good, good. Is your avatar David Guetta? No, that's uh, uh, Jeremy Piven from. Uh, if you remember Entourage, I just I love that character. So yeah, <laughs> I threw a little Haven tattoo on his neck, so uh, just to give it a little oomph. But yeah, uh, 
uh, Chad, actually, I just had a, so there were some updates out today. You know, I'm going to talk about Haven. Um, it looks like the next steps uh, that were put out were, so I guess we're looking at unit tests next, smoke tests, PR for node launcher, Thor node, and X chain JS, and then wallet integrations, which are ongoing. And then it says the next step after that would be a launch on StageNet. Now you mentioned two to three months, I'm guessing, you know, out to get everything done, but um, for the unit test, smoke test, the PR, um, how long might that take before an actual launch on StageNet? Um, well, the unit test stuff is, is should be relatively easy, and it, um, I think they're probably even you know, maybe even already done. Possibly, um, the smoke test can get quite tricky. Uh, that code is not easy to interact with, for sure. And the XChainJS work is also going to be quite difficult. I think anytime a wallet tries to interface with uh, a crypto node style or a ring signature style um, chain. It's very difficult, very kind of tricky in many respects. So I'm not sure how difficult that, that exchange AS code will be to write either, to be honest with you. Um, it may be more than three months, to be honest. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was uh, that was true. Okay, thanks. And uh, I just wanted to mention, saw a pretty brilliant mathematician uh, on this space in the beginning of the call. He's not here anymore, but just wanted to say you're the GOAT. So thank you, guys. Thanks for coming on, man. Um, Marty. Okay, a couple of things. I'm going to start with Haven, you know, Maya my belief to be unicorn. Have you considered uh, basically making Haven uh, synthetic? Um, because, you know, basically for your community, the whole issue of privacy obviously has raised its head in a dramatic way um, on a worldwide basis. So Haven's on a tear. One. Two is you're certainly helping them by um, th their integration, public integration with ThorChain. So, Again, kind of the synthetic question. And then after that, we can come to something else. Yeah. So as soon as the network is uh, added, Haven is like, you know, added to the network, it gets instantaneously, it gets um, synthetic Haven as well. Even it gets, uh, they will even get a Thor.Haven token as well as a derived asset. It just comes naturally, it comes with the, with the, with the, with the territory in a sense. Uh, of course, you won't get any privacy with that, not in the same sense of what Haven does, but It'll be a, it'll be, you'll have the ability to hold that synthetic if you want to. I'm just tired of holding it in Qcoin and mining it, you know, in my uh, vault. But, you know, okay. Um, second issue is your motivation on the stablecoin side of actually creating your own stablecoin. Um, you know, there's obviously a lot of people involved in that space, including Terra, which is probably going to be the big dog in another year and a half. But there isn't really a cross location for you know, privacy, the CCXs, you know, the Moneros, the Havens, maybe even a little bit on the Ergos on the other side of the house. So have you ever considered like that kind of effort or like bringing in all the privacy stuff? Uh, well, I think the first question was, was why create our own stable coin, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, there was a few reasons for this. Uh, it's something that I actually pushed against myself for a good, good while. Just because um, if if somebody's already doing it, you know, well, and and we're not and we're not we're just going to re-implement what they've already done, then it just doesn't feel like it's really worth the effort or time. Um, and so I've always pushed against the stablecoin historically within the, the core devs, but I think once I realized that that we can do something different, and we can we can supply have a different kind of set of uh, assumptions in the stability of the asset that I think 
is more interesting than what I've seen other projects do. That kind of shifted my my um, thought thinking thought process, as well as once we kind of came to the conclusion that we wanted to make sure that on uh, for the lending design, the lending protocol, we wanted a stable coin to be always the debt asset. And we realized that if we use our own stable coin, it would just drive more and more value to the to the network, uh, and it would also make it a little easier to to kind of interact with in a sense. And so, and also, we want to make sure that we do not rely on any external services or chains or oracles or any of these kind of things to be able to function our core kind of designs and protocols. And so we and so to, in order to stay true to that. Uh, that mentality of kind of staying independent and not having independencies, we kind of had to create a stable coin. But then I really wasn't too much concerned about that at that point, just because I realized that we could implement a stable coin that is completely that is completely decentralized and it actually does not require centralized entities to function and operate. And that to me was worthwhile to build. Could you explain the difference between what you're going to roll out and you know basically UST or Frax as an example? Yeah, so well, Frax is kind of like a mix, right? It is a, a part algo, part part col- a collateralized uh, thing. Um, I don't fully understand Frax, to be honest. I've looked at it and I've read about it, but it conceptually just doesn't really quite make sense to me. But um, UST is doing a different thing, where it's, it's it's all algo, although technically it's changed recently to be kind of more like Frax because it's got six billion of Bitcoin, kind of backing it that's collateralizing the, the asset to some degree but the for ust uh in order to be able to burn and mint luna to mint and burn ust it needs to know a ratio between how many ust is equal to you know one luna for example and it has no mechanism of doing that on chain it has to pull that information from off chain so on every block every all 130 validators of the terra network pull from various sources online of, you know, from Kraken and, and Coinbase and Binance and whatever else to pull what the trading prices for Luna. And they also pull the price of, you know, Bitcoin and the Tesla stock and Apple stock. And they've kind of every block they're they're kind of pushing that data into the network to kind of feed as a price oracle or price feed of what that is. Now, the, the problem with that, uh, you don't really know what the trade volume is of happening on these centralized exchanges because they don't really reveal this information. So you have to be worried about price manipulation, right? And the way that UST deal, deals with that is that they, they have a, a, a slow mint, fast burn mechanism, meaning that they cap the total amount of UST that you can mint per day, uh, but they don't cap it for the burning process. And that basically just means that like it ensures that like anybody who tries to price manipulate would not be able to manipulate in a way that would be profitable. Right. Which makes complete sense for what they're trying to do. But the problem becomes because you're minting, you're capping the amount of mint you're, and there's so much demand for UST. It's not able to keep up with that demand. And in some cases, the LFG is needed to come in. This is the, uh, the something guild. I can't really the way LG stands for, but, uh, it has to come in and sometimes correct the price of UST on like curve, for example, as in that a, a few times. Um, and so in Thorchain's case, because all the, the, the oracles, so to speak, it's not actually an oracle because it's own pools, but it's looking at the anchor pools that UST, the, the uh, UCC die, you know, whatever. And it can know that the actual trade volume is of those pools in real time, right? And so it can detect 
if there if there's an attempt to price manipulate the price of room by manipulating the room ratio in those anchor pools, right? And we can just dynamically just like turn off trading or minting and burning of Thor USD temporarily while there's a huge volume of trade coming through uh, the network, right? Hey, hey, Chad, just wanted to interrupt here for any of the listeners that don't know what you're referring to when you say an anchor pool. It's not actually a pool on the anchor protocol. You just want to describe what an anchor pool is? Yeah, good point. Uh, so... In order for 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 Thorchain to know how much what the ratio is, how much is you know one dollar, how many dollars are in one room, for example, it needs to know the price. Now, in in UST's design, they or Luna's design, they they pull it from sometimes exchanges. For us as a network, we pull it from the pools that are stablecoins on the network. That includes UCC, UCT, um, Dai, BUSD, and um, I'm forgetting another one, but we pull it from that from them to let us know what the price of rune is, how much, how many dollars equals to, you know, one rune. And so because we have that information on chain, we don't rely on anything off chain. Um, it's much, much more difficult to, to price manipulate and attack the, the stable coin. Right. And we can just dynamically just turn off minting and burning if somebody's attempting to manipulate the price. Right. So we don't have to put caps on minting and the burn in the same way that UST does. Um, and we don't have to rely on such exchanges to, for, in order to be able to function this decentralized stablecoin, right? So that's something that we can do very differently. Uh, and as well as the other problem that you can think about with, with the UST design is that if it's, a, it's very kind of top heavy in a sense. So you got about $17 billion, uh, you know, and uh, I think Luna is like, well, around like 30 billion or something like this. So it's, it's a huge percentage of its kind of liquidity. And that kind of order book that's used to, to kind of move sometimes from uh, UST into uh, another asset. Uh, is only about two billion, so it, it's it's very kind of uh, risky in some sense. That you can get into a situation where you can have um, uh, liquidations causing more liquidations, causing more liquidations, causing a larger price change, causing more liquidations. And in Thorchain's case, that's not really possible for a few reasons. One is uh, we don't have liquidations on our lending platform, which is kind of the benefit, right? Which so you you don't have to worry about cascading or death spirals in that sense, but also because we have slip-based fees in the, in the network, right? So if everybody decided to like panic and freak out and just like dump their Thor USD into room, blah, 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 uh, the slip-based model would, would charge such high amount of fees to those people that, they'd be mod- that the amount of dollars they would get out on the other side would be relatively small, yet all the LPs and, you know, the savers, blah, 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 of the network would just earn huge amount of yield in that, in that moment and incentivizing them all to stay, right? So I think fundamentally there's a lot better protections, in my opinion, on, on the way that Thor USD is designed versus um, UST and, and all of the other stable coins out in the space today. Um, and that's, I think that's, that was enough incentive, at least my perspective, to, to do it. And then let's also, let's also just um, clarify that, like, Thorchain is not trying to build a stable coin to compete with UST. UST is trying to become the decentralized payments platform of the world. Um, so, like, that's fundamentally not what Thor USD is trying to do. Um, maybe, maybe just say a bit about, like, what the purpose of Thor USD is. I, I kind of caught that in the lending protocol and made, you know, a, a heck of a lot of sense. Um, and I would kind of disagree on the categorization of the use of the Bitcoin because it's actually there to deal with 
the reflexivity and the death spiral, which, you know, we haven't seen in Terra, but it's definitely there to take care of that issue. But it's not like Frax. No, we, we saw that death spiral happen, I think, back in, I think it was May or March. It didn't, it wasn't death spiral to the death. It was just this kind of thing that happened and then it kind of slowed down and recovered. It wasn't like, like Iron and Titan was yeah. a death spiral. I, I mean, again, I, I remember that as well. And I, I always think of a death spiral as actually like ending and death. So anyway, it's just semantics. Okay. That was very good. Thank you so much. But Pooh's right, though. It's, the intention of 3 is not to become the payments platform, blah, blah, the way that UST is. Uh, we have no interest in that, to be honest, as a, as a project. That's just that's somebody else's bag. That, that's Terra's bag, which is a good bag to, to take on. Um, we're just trying to create a stable coin for the purposes of of lending predominantly more than any other, any other reason. And we wanted to use our own stable coin so we could be self-reliant and not rely on somebody else's um, system. Yeah. And keep in mind from the user's perspective or in the, in the UI, like you would be able to just probably just borrow straight to UST in one step even. Right. And it's just, it's using Thor USD as like the settlement on the back end Cause it's kind of required that the protocol can mint and burn it itself. But, um, but in terms of like what you can do as a user, like I'm sure that can be abstracted away and you could just go straight to UST and keep, you know, UST is the global payment adoption goal. Whereas this is like this internal mechanism to make these features uh, possible. Yeah. The, the way I describe it is that like for USD is an implementation detail, not a product in and of itself. Lending is the product. Savings is the product. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It makes sense. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for that explanation, Chad. Uh, I don't know if you need to hop off right now to prepare for your 2 p.m. space, but... Uh... I can take another question, then I'll take off. All right. Taps. Just, as a reminder, though, I'm going to be doing it at 2 o'clock, which is another hour from now, talking with uh, Stargate people. So if anyone wants to listen to that 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 uh, chat, come on, come on by. Yeah, if you're here right now, you guys need to be there. That's uh, that's gonna be the Stargate. I, I I don't I don't think it's really a debate. I think you guys are just kind of talking about the merits of uh, you know, Stargate and Thorchain and cross-chain technology and stuff. It's gonna be awesome. So can't wait for that. No, I'm selfishly using it as an opportunity to to like understand <laughs> understand what Stargate is and how it actually you know how it actually works because every time I read. The white paper or the documentation, it just it just feels like it's it's lacking in, in detail. And so I, I just have my opportunity to to you know haggle the guy and get get some get some questions answered. Do we know where the space is gonna be hosted just so people can can find it? Is it your account, his account? Yeah, it's, on, it's on my account. I'll I'll um, I'll find I put out a tweet like an hour ago, whatever it was, uh, and I'll share it here for people to to find oh, it. perfect. Cool, thanks. Uh, we'll, we'll try and tweet it out from uh, the Dorchain Twitter as well to get some people in. Debs? Hi. So uh, the last time I came on, I talked about Dash Direct, um, which is a way for you to spend Dash in the stores uh, using the, their gift card, essentially. It converts the Dash instantly into the store gift card. So the store thinks they're receiving their own gift card, which they love. And then, but you're spending uh, crypto Dash um, and it's no KYC. So that's great. I've been using it. So I've, you know, verified that it works, at least for me. And I know there was, there was skepticism, you know, uh, Chad Bereford wasn't sure, you know, when whenever you touch fiat, it's kind of iffy and surprising that you can actually do it 
in a no KYC way. So anyways, um, I'm here to kind of update you on a new product that's come out through the Dash Direct, which is a MasterCard. And so that's also no KYC. So now you can show up at stores and swipe your MasterCard. The store thinks you're getting MasterCard uh, payment. So they don't even know that you're paying with crypto. So that's also nice, um, I think, because a part of it is I'm a user and I just like to use my crypto. Um, in day-to-day -day life. So that's uh, point number one, just wanted to give an update there. Um, I'll be testing out the MasterCard solution soon to kind of, you know, don't trust verify. Um, and then number two is, I'm curious, uh, is Dash still on the list? And when will, um, when when do we think it'll be added to Thor chain? And I apologize, I missed the last call last week. So if there was an update there, I apologize for missing. Yeah, to be honest, I, d I don't really know when uh, Dash would be added, uh, to be honest, I don't really know when any chain is going to be added either. It's kind of always kind of a, a guesswork. Uh, for Dash, uh, I think if somebody needs to start working on the actual chain implementation, the uh, node launcher stuff, the smoke test stuff, and the XChain.js stuff, which I don't know if there's anybody in the Dash community that's started working on it. Not, not, not that I'm aware of, but they could be already working on it. Um, I'm not against adding it by any of imagination, personally. Uh, we, the more chains, the better in some sense, as long as those chains are secure and offer um, value. Um, so I, but I don't have a good answer to that question, to be honest. Gotcha. No no problem. Um, I am excited if and when that happens, um, because it, it does also provide privacy um, through the coin join method. So a different privacy than Haven, which I'm also excited about Haven being added. Um, again, I'm a user, so I just pick the best method. Uh, I'm not like a maximalist in, in any of these coins. And then, so my last point is I've been uh, re-listening to um, some of the uh, some of these discussions because sometimes it takes at least a couple of times before I can wrap my head around some of these concepts. And then in one of them, I heard uh, Chad Barraford, you mentioned that um, uh, Thor nodes uh, require holding rune and um, that at some point, you know, you could have, like, if you didn't want to operate the node yourself, you could have somebody else operate the node for you, but you better really trust that node operator because they could run off with your rune. And so that made me think, because I've been in the Dash community for a while, um, that uh, Dash kind of had this same issue and they solved it by um, you know, updating their code and part of in part of their code now is if you're a masternode owner, which is kind of similar concept where you have to hold a bunch of dash to to be a node uh, operator or to own a node. Um, there's this concept of where as the node owner, you can create uh, a an operator key. And with that key, you give it to the operator that you choose. They can do everything they need to run your masternode except for the fact of moving the dash, moving the funds. And so I think I thought that was kind of a cool concept. And maybe, you know, the two development teams between ThorChain and Dash could kind of discuss and, and add to the ThorChain uh, side as a future feature that that may help because um, I've, I've listened to some discussions around the plan obsolescence, which is basically means, you know, you can't you know, you want to do other things in life, not just operate Thor nodes forever, right? And and so, or maybe you want to retire someday. And so you may want to continue to own the node, but you might not want to continue to operate the node. Um, and that's all I have. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, one quick quick correction, though, is that plan obsolescence isn't about um, the team no longer operating nodes because the team does not actually operate any nodes. 
it's a, more about having the kind of the OG individuals um, kind of stepping back from responsibilities of the network and allowing the, the community to take over more and just to further kind of head towards the idea of decentralization. That's kind of the drive behind it more than any other reason. In addition, I would like to actually work on other things in life and build other networks and other protocols. And there's lots of things that I'm really excited about putting my hands on, but, um, but it also, it's, it's a, it's an imperative to the network that, that, you know, people in the early days uh, step back as Satoshi stepped step back from Bitcoin and allow the community to take it over more and more. I agree. Thank, thank you for the education. Cool. Let's go to Optimistically Omnichain and then I think we'll wrap up. So, hey, Chad, just my final question for you is, can you guesstimate by the end of the year how many new chains would have been added to ThorChain? Uh, I've said in the past that my, my kind of personal goal is 20 chains total in the network by the end of the year. Um, whether that will happen or not is very difficult, near impossible to say. Um, it all depends upon a lot of things, such as how many chains are going to be just kind of derivatives of another chain that already exists, like Cosmos chains, for example. Now that we've got Terra added, it's relatively easy to add, you know, Osmosis, for example, or Cosmos itself, Gaia. Um, and so those become kind of lower, lower hanging fruits to be able to do. It also depends on like the other communities, right? That's what Haven's been working on their chain integration. Uh, I was talking recently to the to the secret network people, and they're started working on theirs. Um, there's some complexities with that one, though, so that may actually not happen due to some hardware hardware requirements. But uh, I'm hoping to see 20 chains in the network total by the end of the year. That's my that's my goal. Cool. Thanks for hopping on, Chad. Uh- I, I could stay on for a little bit longer if any if there's uh, questions from anybody else, but uh, thanks for coming on. And if you guys are here, definitely check out that space in an hour on Chad's profile. It's the pinned tweet up top as well. Cool, guys. Good chat to you guys. Uh, I'll see you all in, you know, 45 minutes or so. Later. 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 We'll be listening. Yeah. Anyone else want to request to come up? We'll, I'll stay on for just a little bit longer if, uh, if people have questions. Maybe not. There's one. Uh, Steve. What's up, Steve? Why is something like ThorChain needed? That's all. That was just my question. If you can answer that. Yeah, I can talk a little bit about this and Chad can add on to my answer. So, uh, Thorchain is needed because Bitcoin is the number one digital financial asset, period. And it is too quote unquote stupid to be able to do things by itself, like move around automatically. Normally, these require some kind of centralized system that makes it so, uh, like, okay, you want to buy Bitcoin, you have to go to something like like Coinbase or Binance, and you can use their centralized system, and you can uh, interact with their system and withdraw. But that obviously um, kind of goes against the purpose of Bitcoin and the fact that Bitcoin is a decentralized asset, which is basically the entire point of owning Bitcoin and wanting to own Bitcoin. So what ThorChain does is it improves the value proposition of Bitcoin and all the other coins that are connected to it through ThorChain. So it's a decentralized network that allows you to swap between Bitcoin and all of the other supported assets on ThorChain, which include uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Bitcoin Cash, Litecoin, Dogecoin, and Luna, and that includes uh, ERC-20s, stable coins, uh, kind of the whole lot. So it allows decentralized swaps between all of them. So it's a consensus layer 
on top of the consensus layer of Bitcoin and all of the other networks that are connected uh, through ThorChain. And through that, it allows you to gain yield on your Bitcoin. So basically earning earning Bitcoin through uh, liquidity pooling. And obviously this goes for every other asset too. I just say Bitcoin because uh, this is the only network that allows swaps and liquidity provision through native unwrapped Bitcoin. There's no WBTC, no RenBTC, no, uh, it's, it's not a bridge. It's a completely different paradigm for cross-chain swaps. Yeah, I would just add a little bit. <laughs> Thank you. Um, that, the great answer, but yeah, just like I think a key component of it is that um, you know, ThorChain is chain agnostic. So whatever is the most successful crypto projects, ThorChain is in, is interested in connecting those in a trustless way. So you know, as soon as there's as soon as there's not just one blockchain, as soon as there's two, uh, there's suddenly a problem of no trustless way of transferring assets value across those chains, and that's why centralized exchanges popped up. So I think the key way to understand the value that ThorChain brings is like through comparing it to other things we understand, which is generally a centralized exchange. So imagine being able to do that stuff, but without KYC, without um, you know just being owed some sort of IOU on a spreadsheet in a centralized database that a company runs. Uh, you know, ThorChain is like Binance, but floating in the sky and owned by everybody, and people can anyone can participate in it. Um, no one can be blocked from it. Uh, you can play both sides. You can be the swapper or you can be the market maker, essentially. Um, and uh, like another way to like if you're familiar with something like a like a Uniswap, um, I think that's a good place to kind of anchor your understanding of, of what ThorChain can do is like Uniswap kind of came out as this revolutionary way uh, to do decentralized trading, like kind of like the first DEX. Um, and, you know, without a centralized exchange, you could swap from ETH to USDT or to other uh, ERC-20s. But then what, what ThorChain solves is Uniswap, but for theoretically everything, right? So to be able to swap Bitcoin to Ethereum, Ethereum to Luna, UST to Doge, uh, you know, in the future with the aggregators, anything to anything, really. So kind of just to fulfill the true ethos and vision of crypto and not have to then back into corporations and centralized authorities um, again, which kind of defeats the underlying principles in the first place. Smith from the audience made a really cool tweet yesterday, which I really enjoyed. I just pinned it up on top. Uh, shout out Smith, man. Uh, great, great content always. Uh, it, it says, ThorChain is an L0, like a layer zero, a middleware that operates across all L1s. So, you know, it connects all of these assets together, which aren't normally connected together. Normally it's only, you know, like with like, and, it, it, and you either have to wrap things or... Uh, what have you? It's it's a layer one itself, and and it's also a layer two in that it it it, it kind of enables all three of these features, which are kind of uh, like uh, there's there's networks that'll do one of these things. There's layer ones, there's layer twos, and there's things that try to be like a layer zero connecting things. And Thorchain is kind of all of the above. So I hope that answered your question. Yeah, I just want to echo what you just uh, said. I also want to echo what uh, Chad said. A great example um, is basically a decentralized Binance. That's that's a really good example. Um, but like in general, uh, ask yourself this question: 
Why do you buy Bitcoin? Well, it's a permissionless money. How do you have a permissionless money if you have to go to Binance and say, hey, can I buy this coin? Yeah, you can. You just got to deposit it in KYC. Well, that's not permissionless. Permissionless is you don't have to KYC me. If I live in the U.S. and you don't allow trading in the U.S., that's permission. So that's the first thing. Second is not your keys, not your crypto. You're having to go to Binance. You're giving up the custody of your coin. That's that's not the ethos of Bitcoin or cryptocurrency. You need to hold your money. You are accountable. It's your responsibility. If you're giving it to an exchange, I mean, it's a gift card to the store. I mean, it's thinking like I used to get or have gift cards. I mean, sure, they give like discounts on some of them. Um, one of my favorites was like uh, Boys Out. It was uh, all you can eat steakhouse. And uh, I got a gift card for my birthday. It was like 200 bucks. This thing in place closed down a week later. Well, that 200 bucks is worth nothing. That's, I basically got rug pulled. So it's a permissionless money. And ThorChain is fulfilling that per- permissionless dream of Bitcoin by making it truly permissionless. Because the only way you can normally buy Bitcoin is what? Through an exchange. Or I guess you can do a Bitcoin meetup, but still. Same junk, different day. How did those guys get those Bitcoins? It was an exchange. Drake, it sounds like you bought a Texas Roadhouse wrapped stablecoin and got rug pulled. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was bad. It was bad, man. Oh, 20% off. I'm in. Yeah, rug pull. That's hilarious. Has <laughs> that answered your question, Steve? Is there anything more? No, that, that's good. Thank you. So it's, it's just basically an upgraded Uniswap or? Uh, it's like if Uniswap supported native unwrapped Bitcoin and has and it is decentralized and if and if uni actually captured value in some kind of way it's 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 similar in that they're both amms and they have continuous liquidity pools but the actual underlying structure and architecture is extremely different and it's it's cross-chain like these like there's a lot more security that has to go into cross-chain mechanisms because these are completely bespoke and made for thorchain specifically while it's much easier to secure assets that are all on uh, Ethereum, for example, because you can just secure them using uh, Ethereum methods. So Yeah, because yeah, okay, like, like on Uniswap, uh, you can't go buy Bitcoin. I mean, you can try it. Go for it. It's not going to work. Um, the closest thing you can buy is wrapped Bitcoin. But remember, if you remember the last statement, what's the ethos of Bitcoin? It's taking custody of your coins and having a truly permissionless money. What is wrapped Bitcoin? It's not just a wrapped contract of bitcoin no bitcoin or wrapped bitcoin is owned by the company called bitgo which is owned by galaxy digital which is a centralized company which is also a public company so let's say for example uh i don't know one of the three letter acronyms is like hey um yeah you can't uh you can't issue bitcoin or wrap bitcoin anymore you have to kyc all your customers what happens to the value of wrapped bitcoin well, it's pegged at a bitcoin price right no not so much. Uh, Joshua, you're the second one up here? Yeah, I just had a, a quick question uh, regarding uh, migrating your ERC-20 um, rune over. Once you transfer it to the Thor wallet, it looks like there's about a $0.60 cent to $1 variance when you transfer it over this loss. Um, where does that variance come from and what happens to that? Yeah, so ERC-20 rune and BEP2 rune uh, are IOU forms of Rune that are found on those chains that were distributed before native Rune uh, was a thing, before ThorChain had its own blockchain and had to 
basically function on the Binance chain. And uh, there is also an IOU for Ethereum. So because of this, uh, there's only a one-way peg to go. You can only go from the ERC-20 to native rune, which uh, obviously only BEP-20 rune is, sorry, BEP-2 rune is available on Binance and only ERC-20 rune is available on Uniswap, for example, uh, just because of the way that these <laughs> the, these entities uh, are kind of designed and, and they work. So that's so they're completely different trading markets. So the native rune price you'll see is uh, is what's on is what's internal on the network, and that's what's actually uh, being used to bond nodes. This is being used to provide liquidity. So while yes, the the price is different, you might even be able to uh, say trade your if you have ERC twenty rune, maybe even check if you can swap that for ETH first, and then uh, and then you can just trade the ETH for the native rune. You might be able to arb that way, and maybe even gain rune, or you just take the one to one upgrade, and uh, it, you know you, you just you have the same number of rune. It's just on a on the other network, and the native network being the one that's actually productive and can can do things that. ERC-20 rune and BEP-2 rune don't do anything. Fair enough. It, it seems like it might really be a wash because I've considered that option also. But, you, you know, when you transfer in the rune, you're only paying, I think you're, you're you have like 0.5 rune coming out to move that into, into Thor Wallet. But to move your Ethan, it's considered more expensive. Um, so, yeah, okay. I, I guess that answers my, my question. I appreciate that. Yeah, I would just echo to definitely check out the ARB potential. Um, because yeah, it has been trading above the native rune price. So you might, you know, basically sell your ERC 20 rune and then buy back native rune, like five or 10% cheaper, giving you more rune, same value overall, minus the gas fees and stuff. But, uh, definitely the way to go, um, for the long term. Uh, XFK off. Hey there, brothers. So a quick question. I was just checking if Thorchain and the Haven integration will allow for earning yield on XHV? It will, yeah. So any um, any pool on Thorchain is 50-50 uh, with Rune. So it, the same thing would apply to Haven. Um, basically, you'd be able to provide XHV into the XHV Rune pair. So you'll always have that 50-50 exposure um, to Rune, but that pool would definitely uh, be earning yield. Um, I'm Cow. Do you know if there's going to be an XUSD pool? I, I meant to ask Chad that. I would assume that it will be just Haven at first, and then I, because I, I think especially when there's uh, very new things like Haven being added, like we, we've never had a crypto yeah. node chain on uh, on Thorchain before. I I mean this is still months out, so uh, th- there's no definite answer on this. I would expect it to be just a uh, XHV pool and then later for it to potentially expand to the other pools because you can just get the XHV and do everything just on Haven anyway you don't, you don't actually need to swap for it on Thorchain but I, w- I would expect just XHV at first yeah that would be my guess as well um, similar even to how like there aren't really going to be CW20s um, added directly in pools uh, with the Terra in- integration but with ThorFi later on uh that would mean there would even be a single-sided XHV vault uh, that would just earn on only Haven. It would be a lower yield than the pool, 
um, there's like kind of a d- dynamic there between loan collateral and the savings vaults. This is getting months out, but um, eventually I would expect to see that, uh, you know, sometime after, of course, the Haven launch and after Thorfi, then you could expect to see a Haven vault, uh, a yield bearing vault as well, which would be exciting. Thank you guys. Awesome. Cool. Arna? Um, hello, everybody. Thanks for having me up. Um, as always, big fan. Um, my question was more so, we spoke a couple times, we mentioned KYC. Um, and I don't know if you guys already discussed this. If so, you know, we don't have to get into great detail. But I was wondering if you guys have any like thoughts or comments on the KYC um, regulation that the European Parliament's trying to pass. Um, how would that impact ThorChain and like partners of ThorChain that, you know, connect to? The network. Yeah, so ThorChain is a completely agnostic blockchain protocol, and even uh, I don't I don't think that it's really possible to. It's not possible to add KYC to ThorChain itself because ThorChain is a blockchain protocol that functions as permissionlessly as Bitcoin. It's like if you tried to KYC every Bitcoin address, so. Uh, I think that maybe these changes will affect uh, front ends, but I I don't think that uh, I wouldn't worry about ThorChain being all of a sudden halted or or stopped because of any of the stuff that's going on. We're going to keep going as permissionlessly as, uh, you know, the system allows us to, which is however however we want. I I think if uh, there were code changes pushed to implement KYC to ThorChain somehow, if that was even possible... Uh, I don't see why node operators would elect to do that. So uh, you can draw your own conclusions from that. But ThorChain is only a infrastructure for cross-chain swaps. All of the front ends are run by completely separate teams and have to manage their own, uh, you know, legal liabilities. So that is up to them to uh, deal with the the KYC issues. ThorChain is infrastructure only and run. Uh, in a very particular way to help perpetuate. Yeah, and just um, just to kind of add on on front ends because obviously front ends could be targeted more than the than the protocol itself, and you know it's definitely possible that some front ends will cater towards uh, more of like a KYC compliant uh, customer base, and then they just use Thorchain um, on the back end. Uh, Shoot, lost my train of thought. Where was I? I was going to bring up something else on this. Um, damn, totally lost my train of thought. I was going <laughs> to... Can I chip in, Chad? Sure. Yeah, go for it. Sorry. I mean, I was just quickly going to say, yeah, I think on this issue of regulating private wallets and stuff, I think uh, ThorChain's design is really a masterpiece. It's built for it, isn't it? In that the protocol will always work um, and it will be up to individual UIs to sort of adapt to to changing regulation and stuff. But sorry, the main thing I was going to say was that um, even though uh, there was a European Parliament vote on that, it's like a super complex process and it has to go through lots more stages with the other institutions. And actually, the way that this type of sort of tech policy tends to go is that um, so that the Parliament is one of the most vocal institutions and it tends to come up with sort of draconian measures. And then in the negotiations with the member states and with um, 
with other stakeholders uh, in the in the in the process. Basically, it gets watered down, and normally you end up with something um, a bit more sensible at the end of the day and more proportionate. So. Uh, yeah, so so I, I don't think it's the end of the world, really. It's it's got a ways to go. Great yeah, point. I mean, and go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, just to just to close close that thought that I lost my, that I got sidetracked from is like basically like how a Thorchain swap works, right? Is really just sending a real transaction on the real uh, associated blockchain to a real wallet that Thorchain is controlling with a very specific message. Right. So like how simple that is, um, it really can't be blocked unless you were unless you somehow took down the Thorchain network itself. Like you would always be able to send Bitcoin to a Bitcoin wallet with a particular memo uh, that says, hey, I want ETH over here. Um, so just kind of a cool uh, Smith, you kind of touched on that, but just like the in the way it's designed, like it, you wouldn't be able to block access to it. You could just make it, uh, you know, other UIs would have to pop up or in an apocalypse scenario, you'd have to learn how to do your own memos yourself. There'd be some kind of like memo generator service. I don't know. <laughs> like you, you could figure out how to use it. Um, even if, even if all the UIs were, were not there technically, as long as, as long as Thorchain itself nodes were still running it, as long as you could still send a Bitcoin transaction, for example, um, you know, you'd still have access. Got it. Got it. Thank you. Yeah. My, my main concerns were that, you know, such regulation, I do hope it gets challenged or watered down. Um, uh, but I think that's a huge risk to the safety and security of basically all crypto holders, because what they want to do is basically establish a database that tells, you know, that, that has information like who has how much, you know, how many assets and having their contact information, which if hacked, which we know central authorities are easy to hack, would really put a lot of people in that good um, situation. So I'm, I ho- I'm hoping they either think out <laughs> the whole thing or just gets challenged and dropped. But thank you guys for entertaining this. Yeah, to be honest, if there are people in, uh, in Europe uh, who are on the call, they should uh, write to their MEPs, to their members of the European Parliament and um, tell, them, tell them what they think. Well... My goal partially to come up here and ask this is also to kind of bring awareness and all of, you know, everybody who's from Europe, if, I mean, it would be great if there's an outpour of, you know, negative reactions and like people uh, contact their representatives and share their, you know, opinions on this. I think that would be great because at some point, I believe, you know, this was a move, you know, between crypto exchanges and, you know, lawmakers, but kind of like a one-sided move not something where they you know i mean i don't know how to explain not not well thought out i guess well thanks arno uh we have a couple people in the audience audience here that are coming up by uh, drizzle 659 uh yeah so like i have like a similar concern with like regulation like i feel like sometime in the future third chain is gonna like get really big and like i feel like u.s regulators like are not gonna really like the idea of like you know, this decentralized exchange. So in your guys' view, what do you guys think, like, is the worst thing, like, say, some something like the USA regulators can do to ThorChain um, to, you know, prevent everybody from using it? They can't prevent anybody from using ThorChain. It's, there, there, there's, there's really not much that anyone could do to stop anyone from using ThorChain other than trying to shut down the, the, the nodes. And nodes can, uh, n- nodes are encouraged to make backups and, uh, be ready to basically redeploy on 
a moment's notice. Because if your node went down, that's you know your your six hundred thousand rune that you have in that node. You're gonna want to be able to get back up as quickly as possible to not get slashed to keep earning rewards. So the the network just like Bitcoin uh, can't be can't be stopped. I mean, they can they can try and, <laughs> and do something, uh, but there's not it's, it's it's as permissionless and as ubiquitous as bitcoin is but, but couldn't yeah. couldn't they like just like you know outright ban it like just ban their you know citizens you can't use this store chain you have to like you know what i mean can't they do something like that and then- they could they could say it's illegal i mean they can't actually stop you it's the same it's the same idea of like oh could the government ban bitcoin it's like well the government could ban their own citizens they could they could say it's illegal for their citizens to use Bitcoin, but they can't actually block their citizens from using Bitcoin. Um, I, I think in the Thorchain case, like that 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 would only happen. It, it would be basically the same thing as just blocking access to self custody wallets, which I think is like the most scary doomsday scenario in all of crypto. And I, I feel like that's basically the same problem you're you're kind of getting at here because assuming you have your own self custody and you can do stuff like that, then you could use something like Thorchain. Um, you know, and I think if that happens, then like <laughs> people will just not like, it, I, I, I think it's unlikely because ultimately like the governments will have to deal with what people are doing and what people want. And like, there's just too many people involved that it would be like a conflict of interest at that point. Um, and then it could also just cause like this global ga- game theory scenario where one country bans it, but then every other country can benefit off of that. Uh, and like things are just more global than ever. So I, people would, people would just probably move (laughs) or, or just keep it under wraps. You know, I mean, I, I just don't really see how they could pull it off. So like people will just like continue using it illegally, despite like, you know, the government's telling you like, this is illegal. Like you think something like that could happen, right? I mean, it's possible. Like, well, what do you think would happen if they, if the government said Bitcoin was illegal? No, I, I yeah, I definitely think people are going to move or they're still going to keep using it. But like that, they're going to risk jail time, right? So yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't really expect, um, you know, like outright bans on crypto, but that would definitely be like a crazy scenario. They wouldn't be able to stop. Bitcoin, stop Thorchain, stuff like that, but they could it, at least say it's illegal or whatever. Thor, Thorchain is far from the biggest target on these yeah. types of things. I mean, I think if anything was going to happen, it'd be something to to Uniswap first. And uh, you know, I, I don't I don't speak for all of Thorchain like when I say any of this stuff either. Um, this is just you know Chad and mine's uh, personal opinions, but. Uh, there's 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 nothing that can stop Thorchain as a network from existing and allowing people to make swaps on it. It's completely permissionless. Okay, okay. Got no, I'm just like speaking in terms of like five, four years from now because I definitely see you know Thorchain being like like it's under the radar now. Now you know not everyone knows about it, but in like five years, I could see this thing blowing up. You know, so that's that's my concern is that that's when regulators will actually start you know looking into this. But hello, hey. Ah, this is a very simple question, uh, very fundamental. Um, I uh, have a Terra Station wallet, which I own Luna and UST. What is the most straightforward and easiest way to actually acquire Rune um, using the UST in my Terra Station wallet? Yeah, so you can you can use Terra Station directly um, with. Uh, well, there's various interfaces for using Thorchain, but um, a popular one is ThorSwap. 
uh, and TerraStation is integrated there. I'm not sure if there are other interfaces with TerraStation Live yet, if anyone could confirm. Uh, I don't know if DeFi Spot has TerraStation integrated. Um, but yeah, you can connect TerraStation to, to ThorSwap, and basically it's just one swap. Um, right. But you just need you just need a Rune wallet, so a Thorchain wallet, um, which there's a variety of options. I mean, you could use a Ledger directly if you have one. You could use, you, yeah, you could. So you could just connect that directly to ThorSwap. Um, you could also connect that through another browser extension, uh, XDefi, which is imagine Terra Station, but having Terra, Thorchain, Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, kind of all in one extension. So you would get a Rune address through through XDefi, and you can even use your Ledger with XDefi too, which is a great combo. Uh, you could use Trust Wallet. Um, you could also use Thor Wallet app. Um, so yeah, but basically you just need a you need a Thorchain native wallet to hold that rune you're going to swap to, but you can absolutely connect your Terra station to send in your Luna or UST for the swap. And then you just need a place to receive your, your native rune um, out. Great. Thank you. Answer for sure. Z portrait. You're extre- you sound like you're on the ISS. Like- uh, yeah. Maybe uh volume input problem yeah just can i ask my question <laughs> sorry sorry z, z, z portrick i actually can't hear you uh it, maybe you could uh dm chad Thoreau your question instead yeah i can ask yeah. your question for you if you if you can dm me yeah it's cjx thank you hello can i ask my question yes please yeah so somebody just asked about the problem of being censored to governments and uh, the reply by basically was they cannot directly I was wondering what about the point of failures in regards to the centralized servers that we use to run the nodes. Most of the nodes are running on AWS or Google services. Are they not a point of attack? Yes. I'm. Wait, let me pull up the stats real quick on where the nodes are, uh, what services. So they run on a variety of, of services. It's not just AWS. It's not just Google. It's uh, pretty much everything. Let me find it. Okay, never mind. This Thorchain.live does not have the... Uh, the endpoint that says where all of them are hosted, but they're hosted on a variety of different services. And uh, the a lot of the chatter that I've seen around basically uh, node capture is, from from the from the node uh, point of view is that when when creating and deploying a node, uh, what these operators are doing is they're making backups of uh, basically their their keys to their node and. Uh, that that way, let's say uh, they got their account shut down, their AWS account like shut down or something like, like AWS already going after uh, Thorchain or, or something like that. Uh, they have backups and they, they can easily redeploy on another network. They can go bare metal. Uh, bare metal is something that uh, is a lot more advanced, but um, it's it's also a lot cheaper uh, in monthly operating costs. So n- node operators have been moving to bare metal. And there really is a push to decentralize across the different uh, cloud provider platforms. So um, these run on I, I probably at least five different major uh, cloud provider platforms, including uh, AWS, Google Cloud, Azure, DigitalOcean. Uh, sorry, I can't think of all the names off the top of my head, but the the key for the node operators is not stopping from uh being taken down because we we can't control if that happens but being able to get back up quickly if the need arises so i think 
it's more important to look at it from that angle than, you know, whether they can be taken down from AWS or not. There's also some talk of, well, um, I'm not sure if you mentioned, I was a bit distracted for a sec, but the several nodes, uh, I don't know the count on bare metal nodes, but that's there's definitely a push there. Uh, there's also um, talks of Akash, decentralized hosting. Um, I know up until now it hasn't been able, it hasn't had the specs possible, but I know that they're doing some kind of new, um, I don't know, like a new, I don't know what you'd call it, but they're, they're revamping things and it might be possible. So I know that uh, the ThorSec team ha- is going to be looking into that, which would be really cool to see uh, uh, a more push for, for decentralized nodes. But yeah, I definitely think this is going to be a topic that's uh, continued to be pushed towards. And you're definitely seeing a lot of the nodes are you know aware of this problem. And, and, and like Familiar Cow mentioned, um, the ability to pop back up quickly um, is, is probably the biggest key. Yeah, I think I think personally that's more important than being able to stop yourself from being taken down. Not that that's ever even been an issue in the past, nor do we foresee it to be an issue, but let's say it did happen. It's more about uh, how quickly you can spring back up than how quickly, you know, how quickly they can knock us down because, uh, you know, it is a decentralized network. We can spring up anywhere and the network can uh, resist any kind of capture and node operators are incentivized to do that for to keep their own bond and keep getting rewards. So thanks for the question. Uh, Dr. Cryptic, hello. Uh, Sharab. <clears throat> hello. Uh, am I audible? Hey, what's up? Hi, hi. Thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, <clears throat> so two questions. Uh, one is somewhat similar to what we've been discussing. Uh, is it possible for a node operator to uh, to run a ThorChain node and 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 not have anyone know uh, that he's he's uh, running that node. Anyone by anyone, I mean, is his his uh, internet provider or you know a- anyone at all? His government and any surveillance uh, organization. None of them knowing that he's running a Thorchain node. That's one. The other is, and and this one is a sort of follow up of uh, I I was in this uh, on on this uh, chat uh, last week as well. So I was asking whether, uh, you know, I, I usually use uh, ThorSwap to uh, figure out what my LP position is. And, and usually it's it's a, it's a it's an excellent guide. It works very well. Sometimes it doesn't. And and my question was, uh, even last week, is there is there a is there a way at all for, you know, individual LP guys to query the chain or change themselves uh, in, in a hopefully not very difficult manner? and figure out what their positions are, you know, in terms of rewards they gain and stuff like that. Is that possible? Thanks. Yeah. So to answer your first one, uh, I don't see why provider, why node operators wouldn't be able to just run a bare metal node. And then that's that's literally just running uh, Thor node software on your own, uh, you know, server grade machine that can that can run all the nodes for uh all the different chains that ThorChain supports i don't i don't see how that would possibly be able to be tracked uh you know so i i can't answer that question 100 percent from a technical standpoint because i don't possess that knowledge uh it whenever uh chad barford's around again maybe he has some more insight onto um exactly how node operators can protect their identity but yeah, I, I don't. I don't see why a, a bare metal node, which t- it takes a, a lot of uh, uh, sysadmin capabilities. Uh, by the way, it's not not as easy as just spinning up a, a cloud services node. So uh, yeah, I think it would be possible. Sure. And to answer your question about checking your LP position, uh, Thor Yield has just made some um, some really nice updates over the past couple of days. So that is 
right now the standard for checking LP positions. You could query it uh, yourself using Midgar, but I don't think that's really what you're asking on how to do that. It's a very uh, <laughs> technically complex way of doing things. And uh, Dor Dorio, that's what Dorio does. It's just kind of a wrapper for uh, data that's on Midgard regarding your LP position. Yeah, and just to add, that's been like totally cleaned up a lot just in the past day or two even. So if you were having troubles, uh, sh everything should be working pretty flawlessly now with Thor Yield. Uh, the app is great too, and um, there's even going to be some UI redesign stuff still coming, but functionally should be really solid now. Yeah, thanks. So, yeah, so I, I have seen some changes uh, uh, in, in the Thor Yield uh, app. Uh, I'll, I'll probably just wait for a few more days to pass to see if it's sort of uh, it, it's aligning with my expectations in terms of the percentages shown and for APY and, and what I'm getting. But anyway, thanks. Thanks for... And yeah, on, on the first question, so the reason I was asking is if that is answered, then it's sort of, you know, then it, it then, then the question about uh, governments or parliaments uh, trying to enforce surveillance it, it does not even arise, right? If, if you can run uh, completely anonymously, then that's it. That that makes it uh, independent and, and sort of free of any sort of regulation. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. All the nodes are already like maintain their own anonymity. Um, <clears throat> I mean, you can kind of like look at the IP locations and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I would imagine I would imagine you can definitely do that. And also <clears throat> on the uh, on the yield question, another thing just to kind of note, this is kind of a basic thing, but you can always just go to like your liquidity position and uh, go as if you were going to like withdraw it or whatever. And you can check or, and you can just see the stats right there on like what is actually withdrawable. So then that would uh, kind of allow you to compare with what you originally added and kind of do a rough calculation um, just like that. Okay. Just, just to follow up on, on the last point you made on, on what, what I, what I will see when I'm asking for a withdrawal, does that include everything, uh, including the fees, block rewards, all of that in inclusive? Does it show it all of that? It does. Yeah. The only thing it wouldn't be including would be any impermanent loss protection, which would be given when you withdraw. But yeah, your your redeemable is just your LP share, which your LP share is just growing based on uh, you know, the rewards that are going back into the pool, uh, the the block rewards going back as well. So it's all just kind of accruing to your current LP position. Um and so that would show your total just like withdrawable amount. Again, the only thing that wouldn't show there, I believe, would be if you had protection to be paid, then um, that would like the the difference of that would just be added on on the withdrawal. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, $60 finance. <laughs> hey, guys. Uh, how are you doing today? All good? Doing good. How about you? Excellent. Yeah, <laughs> April Fool's Day today, so uh, <laughs> I got got fooled today by uh, Arthur Hayson's this article. And I'm sorry, but uh, if if I ask the question and it's already been answered before, I was in another uh, call with with some uh, Bitcoin DAO who who uh, tried to pitch Torchain to, and they have a lot of questions, but I need to figure that out. But uh, one question that they ask and. I was also like kind of curious now that uh, Luna is integrated now that the cap is like opened up so it's released so like what's what's on the on the like longer 
term timeline for for whole, the whole torching team you know like the court devs and all the all the team members you know like we have like haven coming up and then later on monero um, and you know like all that stuff that's already been published and also of course like no hacks no 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 uh, other bad news so like what's what's in the on the timeline for, well, let's say like from from six months to like by the end of 2022 beginning of 23 is like where would you guys like to see Torchain be by by like the beginning of next year what's what are the, the the goals that are still yeah i can talk about this a little bit but just be aware that i'm not talking about this from the perspective of like official Torchain. this is just you know it's a completely decentralized network so it's hard to you know put actual dates and milestones i think because things change just literally by the hour and where everyone's working uh, you know, there's, there's literally people working on this project 24 seven. So I don't, you know, mean to represent everybody when I talk about this stuff, but I could talk about some of the, uh, like the milestones and things that, um, are going to be hit this year. So, uh, coming up next for chain integrations, uh, that would be nine realms who is basically doing all of the future chain integrations while the core team focuses more, uh, more towards developing Thorfi and move, moves towards their planned obsolescence. So starting with chain integrations, next we might be looking at uh, Atom for uh, for chains, starting you know with the, the Cosmos ecosystem. And we are also currently in the process of scoping out uh, AVAX, Avalanche. So I would expect to, um, you know, I just, just, wait, just wait for news on these because, um, you know, there's basically... The Nine Realms team, who is managing all this stuff, that's you know that, that's that's Pluto and me, and uh, you know all the other people at, at Nine Realms, and we are doing the chain integrations front of that. So, you know, these things take time, and things need to bake, and things need to be scoped out and, and created, and you know we want to make sure that everything's done in the right way. So, I would maybe expect Adam first. We're scoping, uh, at, we're scoping Adam and Avax. Um, you know, these things will take time. So, you know, Haven is obviously in the pipeline. We're still, you know, we're still having like internal discussions about all these and what people want to see. We want to make sure that people have access to all of the major liquidity in crypto. So we're trying, we're trying to bring that, uh, to Thorchain. And I think uh, we're we're definitely going to see all these, uh, by the end of the year, uh, I I would say. So, uh, you know, barring strange circumstances, uh, I think we'll see all those integrations by the end of the year and uh, even more. I, like I keep seeing people uh, from a lot smaller projects uh, DMing about like integrating their chain, but like obviously that's not the priority right now. The priority is getting the highest value chains upon Thor chain. And to me personally, that means uh, that means AVAX. That means uh, that means Adam that, and. Well, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes from there. But uh, as for the core team, core team is currently uh, working on Thorfi. They're putting out bug fixes like literally every single day. Uh, it, it really is crazy how fast the network just kind of evolves because there's people working on it 24-7. So uh, Thorfi, likely this summer, maybe. Um, we're going to see IBC sooner than that. Uh, you know, hopefully that'd be around the time that AVAX and uh, Chad, what was the name of those? Those uh, is derived assets the the name that they were going to call the uh, like Thor BTC and stuff. Yeah, at least that's what's being used for now. 
it's like a synth derived asset. Right. So derived assets that can be beamed out uh, with IBC. And then they're also, then the core team is also um, just kind of working on the planned obsolescence of the treasury. And that's the major network direction. And like that whole time, that's just the development front of it. That's not including the, uh, like the biz ops side of it. And the biz ops side is basically getting major liquidity providers um, into the network increasing uh you know increasing the node count in- increasing the security of the network uh which is something nine realms has been working on a lot uh we're we're always like really hammered down on on security and making making sure things are done in a safe way we have the Thorsec team who's working on uh security we're working on new security measures for uh for third chain basically more catch-all checks that'll see things before uh, things happen or at least, uh, you know, m- better alerting tools and, and things like that. Um, that's the major direction that Thorchain's going. So I, I think that the, this past week, if you've been looking at the, the TVL on the network, all the liquidity that's been going in, I think that's a good indicator on what to see this year. Like you see this Luna integration, we've gotten, um, you know, about about a hundred million. Sorry, it's less than a hundred million, but uh, you know, a hundred million in this Luna and UST liquidity in less than a week. Um, just uh, imagine that compounded many times over with all these different chain integrations that we're doing, uh, Adam, Avax, and then whatever else where we end up uh, scoping out and releasing. And so it's it, it's going to be absolutely huge, especially with all the big liquidity players that are coming on the network. So uh, yeah. I hope everyone's excited for 2022. It's going to be huge. And these things are moving just so quickly. We're getting, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're in talks with people across the board. Everything is firing off on all cylinders every single day of the week. So uh, this, is a, this is a big year to, to look forward to. It's going to be great. And and sprinkled in with that is mainnet, which will probably happen, uh, you know, this, this summer sometime question mark don't know exactly absolutely that was that was super exciting but i think we should uh do a, a quick wrap because the other space just started so yes if, you, if you're if you're in here you're definitely going to want to migrate over there um it's the second pin tweet in this space or i just retweeted it and Thorchain's probably about to retweet it too but uh let's all migrate over there and listen to chad bearford talk with uh stargate and layer zero thanks for coming guys click the pin tweet on the top uh the Chad Barrett talk with the Stargate and Layer Zero team. Let's get it, guys. Thank you. See you next week.